Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Conversations. It's a variety show about real life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. Welcome to another episode of Conversations. Today we have Andy. Hi, Andy. Hello. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, Andy has two podcasts, the Burnout Expert Podcast and 911 Shift Ready Podcast. So clearly we are going to be talking about burnout today. Um, sadly, a lot of people do suffer from it, but can you say or define burnout for everybody and say what some of the symptoms, common symptoms are? Well, it's actually fascinating that you ask this because I've been doing so many interviews in my podcast recently, and the the most common theme is that most people don't even realize they're in burnout until like something major happens, health issue, like crash, um, something major. So burnout actually is the starting signs of it is just that your stress system is taxed. It's just you have stress on your plate that is long-term and is starting to affect you. And you might be a little tired when you wake up. Your sleep might be a little bit messed up. You may have some days where you struggle with your moods. And as burnout starts going into the deeper and deeper stages, that's when we start getting gut issues and brain fog where you really struggle to think, moods where it usually hits more at home where you're arguing more with your spouse, you're getting really short fused with your kids. You may find that at work, you're struggling to focus on things. Your to-do list gets, keeps getting longer and longer because it's taking you longer to do things. Sleep is completely messed up. But when we get into like autoimmune diseases, cancer, I was just speaking with somebody this morning who had lost sight in one of her eyes until she started working on the stressors in her life. So it can wow. affect so much of your system. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable how much of your system that it does affect. And it just creeps in so slowly <laughs> that we don't even realize we're in burnout in the early stages. I think a lot of it is sleep. Don't you? Yes. Sleep is a huge, huge factor. If you're not sleeping, then your stress system can't function the way it's designed. Your stress system is in charge of 50 different hormone responses. And it's after you fall asleep that these hormones start regulating themselves. So your metabolism, your blood sugars, your, your healing and inflammation, your moods, your cognitive thinking, all of these things can't heal and repair and your stress system's in charge of those. So it's, it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg sometimes yeah. too. And when your sleep is off, when you're not giving yourself enough of that, that restorative sleep, then that does throw off your stress system. Well, and everybody reacts differently. Not, not one person is going to react the same to another and how they deal with stress. Some people might start seeing the gut issues while somebody else might get migraines. You know, it's just, yeah. it varies from person to person. Yes. Oh gosh. So your husband, he's a police officer, right? Yes. How does he cope with, or how do you cope with him being out there in it? I mean, I can't imagine the stress level for both of you guys. Well, COVID for all first responders was crazy. 
um, the amount of hours they worked. They were like, so my husband's police, but fire stations, they would have a whole station out with COVID. Meanwhile, the other station was already short staffed that that station would have to cover. So you're, you're spreading people from a, a short a station that's already short staffed into another that they're doing they usually 24 hours on, but there were some that were doing five 24 hour shifts in a row. Uh, my husband, uh, we saw him two, three days a month for the first year of COVID just oh with all God. that was going on. Yeah. He was the COVID logistics chief. So that was, there was a lot of, of going on with him um, during that time. And just the hours have been inhumane if I'm going to be honest about it. And so he was so grateful that he was not in burnout going into that because he saw through what I do, how many responders were already in burnout before that hit them. So he wasn't in burnout. And then we had all of the tools we were pulling out, like all of them and making sure that everything was aligned, that he was at least getting if he had five hours to sleep, that he got five hours of restorative sleep if possible. Um, and when he was able to get more sleep, that he got it. And we did make sure that sleep was, that was a big priority during that time for him to recover, making sure he had all of the supplements that actually support your stress system, that his food was foods that support the stress system, that just everything. He had all of his tools out, like everything. And then as soon as he was able, we went into, okay, recovery mode to make sure that your stress system was back up to full strength. Yeah. How do you even know where to start? Uh, it, it, as you said, it's so different with everybody. So the thing is, is that the tools that I would use with somebody like while they're in the middle of the muck is different. Like those would be very similar because my hope would be somebody is out of burnout, but if they're not out of burnout, we have to figure out first, what are all of your stressors? And they're so different for everybody. You could have traumas, childhood traumas. You could have uh, nutritional stressors. You could have environmental toxin stressors. You can have, oh, so for lockdown, there were the social stressors for people. There could be toxic works, work that is a stressor for you, or just the job that you are doing could be so many hours and stressing you at a stage of life. I mean, when you first have kids, when you add a new kid in there, those are sure. all stressors. There's just so many different stressors that we first have to figure out, okay, where are all your stressors? Where can we start giving you some breathing room? And it may not even be the biggest stressor that we can give you breathing room first. It's the easiest ones to work on that we can start giving you one step up that ladder of relief. And we start working on more and more and more of these stressors while we're supporting your gut, getting your gut back healed, getting your hormones back on track, getting all of these as your nervous system strengthened, which your nerves are like a muscle. So the more that you work them, the stronger they get. So if you're living in a stress state, your stress nerve becomes so strong, it overpowers your resting nerve. So then you're continually keep shifting into that stressed state, even when things shouldn't be stressful, like a child spilling their milk on the ground. It, it, that shouldn't set you into a stressed state. But when your stress nerve is so strong, you do. We need to strengthen your resting nerve so it stops being overpowered by your stress nerve so you can start switching in and out. That's one common 
peace with everyone. Sleep, as you said, is a very common piece, making sure that their sleep is the best possible. But where do we start with you? Is it tired and wired? Is it waking mid-sleep? Is it your sleep routine? Like, what is it? Is it working shift work? What is it that is causing your sleep to be off? We need to figure that out first to know even where to start with that. So there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. And where we start with each individual is very specific to that individual. Yeah. And I would imagine not necessarily just during COVID, but in general for those workers that work 12 hour shifts and stuff like that. And if it's a very hectic shift, like you're going to eat like garbage. The majority of the time you're going to grab what you can, whatever is in the break room or whatever's in your car glove compartment, you know, like I would imagine nutrition would play a huge role if people are just eating crap and trying to function. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is that when we think of nutrition, we often think, oh, I need to have these like crazy, crazy healthy meals and I need to do all this meal prep. And while that is absolutely great and it's beneficial and it will never hurt you, it's not realistic with most of our lives, depending on which stage of life we're in. That I know with my husband, he always in his duty bag has like a smoothie powder that has carbs and a protein in it, that if he needs and he always has extra water. He can even just pour and chug if he needs. He always has bars that won't melt and won't freeze and won't like squish, which means they're not necessarily the healthiest, but they are sustenance when he needs sustenance and can't get something. So it's not always even about being perfect, but trying to get enough in so that you don't have to reach for the junk as often in the most simple way. Right. How, how would an individual just like try and avoid burnout? <sighs> to avoid burnout is to, the first thing I would say, as you said, sleep, sleep is huge. If your sleep is on track, then your body is going to have more, all, all of these hormones. It's going to be able to heal and repair better. You're going to be able to make better decisions the next day. Your moods are going to be more regulated. Your whole health of your body is going to be stronger, which means no matter what your stressor is, your defenses will be stronger and you'll be able to handle more stressors that are thrown at you. So sleep, as you said, is, is, is so important. And working your resting nervous system but the thing is, is if you keep throwing the same stressors at it day after day, then you're going to keep taxing your system and pushing your system deeper and deeper. And there's only so much that that really good quality sleep can even help help you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, what if your boss is an absolute jerk? That is something you cannot avoid. You have to go see your boss every day or, right. you know, just your job duties themselves. You can't get away from that the majority of the time. It's stuff that you just have to do or have to deal with. So where does somebody begin to not let it get to them? Yeah. So if that's a, a struggle, there's different things. So um, with a toxic workplace, I was actually just interviewing somebody on this, that that's what she does is works with people in leadership to help them with a toxic workplace. With a toxic workplace, there's a couple of things to think about. First off, the person who is leading you, are they in burnout? Because when you're in burnout, you need to start controlling more things. Your moods, you start getting frustrated with everything, start picking everything, need to control everything around you. You are not able to big picture think and you start micromanaging everything. 
So the first thing I would always see is, is that person completely burnt out and struggling? Like, is that why they're acting the way that they're acting? It's possible that you may be able to, that's where I see those that I work with after a while, they're able to start bridging these conversations with that person. But knowing that they are too, at that point in time, you know, then that that takes the emotion out for you, that they're not yelling at you. So when we are getting emotionally charged by that other person as well, then that adds to our stress. So understanding that it's not about us, it's usually about something that's going on for them in their life. So that's one piece of that. Another piece is also learning big conversation skills. So there's a couple of books that I always recommend. One is Crucial Conversations by Carrie Patterson. And the other is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And there, Chris Voss was a former FBI hostage negotiator. And I use mm. these tools on my family all the time, like to get my kids <laughs> head. I use it on my husband. Because what it does is it helps you have conversations where the other person feels they're actually in control, but you're leading the conversation. Oh. So yeah, because in a hostage negotiation, they can't let the the criminal have anything, but they also can't have them feel like they're not in control because that's when things go haywire. So this book is fascinating. It's actually a business sales book because he's gone into business, um, into the business field himself now. And it's such a great book. And so starting to learn those skills, you can start seeing if you're able to have those conversations with the, with the toxic person and see like there's so many aspects. We could also dive in with a toxic person into five love languages and find out maybe they're just not feeling appreciated or loved. And I just learned that Gary Chapman of the five love languages just wrote or not just wrote the book. I just found out about it. That uh-huh. he has one on leadership and appreciation languages. So if they're not feeling appreciated, that's sometimes when they lash out and micromanage and stuff as well. Oh so my God. Layers to this. We can also, it can get to the point too, where sometimes your burnout is causing a lot of struggles in that environment. So first I would say work on your burnout because you may be struggling. You may be getting more frustrated and struggling with your moods and, and struggling with all of that. Once you have gotten a bit of a handle on your burnout, then you can see, are there tools that I can help make this work environment better? And has my burnout gotten to the point where I can handle this work environment or do I need to exit? What if you're a mom experiencing burnout? <laughs> what if you're not? Which mom doesn't? <laughs> um, what that's a loaded question in what sense if you're a mom experiencing burnout well you can't just leave you know you (laughs) you have to handle it okay so say it's overwhelm you know Mm -hmm. like you've got your to-do list is five million miles long and you're just like then the kids are crying and you feel like your plate is overflowing what's a good place to start because I feel like that's the thing you feel like you can't put one foot in front of the other when you're in the middle of it yeah absolutely and That's the thing too, is where is the biggest stressor? Do you have, so as moms, we do tend to put a lot on our plates and not all of us, and this is hundred percent me. So I'm speaking for me, not for everybody. (laughs) hundred percent for me is sometimes not asking for the help. My husband was there to do it when he could, when he's home, but I didn't always ask. 
Also, when you're in burnout, maybe he didn't load the dishwasher the right way or <laughs> didn't fold the laundry the right way. So I would just do it myself. So the thing is, is sometimes is, is if figuring out what your stressors are, but what are the easy ones you can take off your plate right now? And if that is even that you don't like the cup that you're drinking your coffee out of, then change your coffee cup. That takes one stress off, right? So that sounds so simple, but then you're like, okay, I tackled that. I did something. What else can I do for my stress? Right. And it's really figuring out, but I would really dive into that nervous system, making sure that you are strengthening your resting nervous system and prioritizing your sleep as much as possible, which is not always easy with a newborn or with kids that have needs in the middle of the night, but doing the best that you can with your sleep. So even ask yourself, is my sleep, am I giving my sleep as much attention as it deserves? And am I giving it as much credit for the way that I'm feeling as it deserves? I recently went and visited one of my friends that just had a baby mm. and it was her first baby. And I told her just sleep when the baby sleeps yeah. that you don't have to go and do all the laundry or, you know, prep and for meals and all that. Just like sleep when the baby sleeps, take advantage of that time. People have the hardest time doing that, but that was like one of the best things I did for myself when my kids were little. Yeah. I just always made them lay down and take downtime and I would lay down too. <laughs> and Absolutely. it it's huge. It makes such a big difference. And if your house is a mess when a friend comes over, if they don't have kids, they'll get it once they have kids. If your house is a mess and they have kids, they'll probably say, go rest. I will clean this for you. Right. You know, you know it, it's we're sometimes our own worst critics of what we think that other people are thinking. But honestly, if I ever go to a house, a mom's house, that's a mess, I'm going to be like, how can I help? Yeah. Well, and people do need to be better about asking for help mm -hmm. or even delegating. A lot of those older children, they're available and able to do things. They may not do it exactly like how you would do it, but at least the job will get done, you know, and it's one thing that they, then they feel accomplished and then they'll ask more often if they can help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is the thing is, if we start diving into why do moms burn out? There's, there's a lot there, especially if it's, it's a mom who has a career as well. There's so many pressures on their plate and we, we do have to make very tough choices as to where are we going to put our focus, time and attention? Yeah. Um, so you started dealing with first responders back in 2018. Is that right? Yes. I cannot even imagine the level of well, just the courage for one and the stress and everything that they have. I just, how do you, how do you talk them off a ledge or how, how do they stay sane? I just don't understand the stuff that they have to see. Yeah. It's um, a lot of them put a lot of walls up and blocks up. So it's been a lot of learning that Chris Voss book, I will say has helped me break down some walls. Um, but it, it's hard. I didn't actually realize all of that I was getting into that seeing internationally, because I work with responders over North America, UK, I have some clients in Australia. And, and with that, like my newsfeed started getting filled with a lot of 
a lot of the line of duty deaths, a lot of the ambushes of officers and all that stuff. And I started freaking out myself. Um, I see a lot of the suicides, which I got into it because the suicide rate was three times that of line of duty deaths. And I was like, if I could have a piece to like a part to play in this, I just wanted to save one life. And so I got into it and I started, I did find, so I work on the physical side of stress and I do mindset stuff, but I'm not a therapist. So what we did find is that some of them are in such a heightened state of state of stress where that nervous system will not shut off at all, that they can't make headway in their PTSD treatments. They can't make headway in therapies. And st studies show that when their stress system is, your HRV is a, a stress marker. When their HRV is so low, that means they can't handle any stress that it does show that therapy is not um, able to be successful. So what we found was once I started training that resting nervous system with them, once I started getting their sleep back on track, helping with their gut so their body could actually absorb nutrients again, and 90% of your serotonin your serotonin is your happy, feel good. I'm calm. I'm engaged. I want to socialize hormone. Um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds are synthetic serotonin. 90% of that is produced in your gut. And when mm -hmm. you are stressed, when that stress nerve kicks in, it slows down your digestion because you don't need to stop and eat and have a meal when you're, you're in that high stress state, when it thinks that you're being chased by a bear or lion. So what we found what I found was that they weren't telling me they were having suicidal thoughts when they came in. Um, I would have definitely sent them to somebody had they. Uh, but what I would find is about like five, six months in, once we'd get their sleep on track and once we'd get their gut going, uh, gut working the way it needed and, and that nervous system controlling where they weren't living in a stressed state as much, they were telling me that their suicidal thoughts had gone away. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> but yeah. Sleep deprivation itself, just two hours less of sleep. Um, so getting six hours sleep on a regular basis for three months can start causing, um, causes ethical mistakes and causes, um, can it be one of the leading uh, factors in suicide. Wow. Yeah. Which dives into what you're saying about sleep. So we think about moms too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a joke. You joke that, oh yeah, you're running on empty. I mean, it, that's just because parents know other parents when they see them, <laughs> the depletion on their face. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, I remember those days not getting any sleep and it's just made as a quote unquote normal. Yeah. But it's not, it's just common. That doesn't make it normal. Right. And we also found too that, so guys that weren't able to make it in their PTSD treatments, once I'd get their nervous system to where they they could control, go in and out and start big picture thinking that they started making headway in their PTSD treatments. That's amazing. How do you deal with, I mean, when you're dealing with this all day long, how do you decompress and get yourself to not go to a negative place? Well, I go to a therapist as well. I've worked through a lot of stuff in therapy because, um, yeah, that was tough. <laughs> I yeah. pull out all of my tools as well, all my stress management tools. And my family is my stress reliever. So I'll go out and, you know, throw some balls with my kids or we'll go for a walk or I'll just hang out with them. And I just find that I, that's, that's my decompression when I do 
come out of it. I've had to take social media off of my phone because I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband would tell me like, oh, did you hear about this incident? I'm like, oh yeah. And did you hear about these two, three, four others this week? And he's like, uh, no, because he's isolated to his um, service. Right. Whereas I'm hearing them from all services, a first resp- like all fire, EMS, um, police and all of that as well. So I've had to really, really learn that I need to continue to go to therapy while working with responders in order to handle, because they will tell me about their worst calls. They will mm-hmm. tell me about all the stuff they've been dealing with. So I've learned that I have to, um, I have to take my own advice and I need to <laughs> pull out all of my tools and make sure that I do go to therapy as well. Gosh, I can't even, I mean, for some people being with their family is their stressor. (laughs) So I'm happy for you that your family is how you can help you decompress. But and what you said too, it's just uh, simple things, get going into nature, going for a walk, Mm -hmm. just sitting outside, you know, if you can and get some fresh air, the simple things really can kind of keep you calm. Yeah. And, and as you're saying, like family, if you're heading home and that's not your safe space, then you're in a stress state that whole time, which is pushing your stress system, which then can cause you to make everything a fire. So things that you wouldn't have even gotten upset about at home are now upsetting. And things that like you can go from zero to a hundred of, of just calm to like anger really fast at home, which when it's already not a healthy environment, which maybe is in a healthy environment because you and your partner are also in burnout or one of you is and is exhibiting these signs, which then makes it really hard on the other person as well. Or there, it it may not be a relationship that, you know, that, that there might be other things to work on in that relationship. But when we're talking about where do you start, if home is your big stress place, then that may be the one place to start and figure out why, what's going on at home. Um, I mean, I have a neurodiverse 2E kid that I had to pull out of school. I had to, and now I homeschool him. My other is deciding next year he wants to homeschool because he's seen how cool it is. But (laughs) so I've had to stop and make choices too about, I had to bring change, make changes in my business to make, make sure that I could be with my kids and homeschool them too, while also running my business and not burning myself out. So there are so many different stressors. You may be taking care of a sick parent and all of these things. So there's so much going on, but finding out what is, what are all of your stressors and which one can you start tackling first that you feel that you can, because it may not be the biggest one that you feel that you can right now. Right. Cause so much of it is out of your control. So to find the things that you can control would be the best place to start. Right. And, and it all compounds, right? Take that out. Then you're like, Oh, that's one off my plate. What's the next one I can do. Yeah. yeah. And thank God therapy is, you know, becoming, I don't, I don't even know how to say it, not popular, but okay. Mainstream. You know that it's okay for people. Yes. Mainstream to go to therapy. If you need it, don't be ashamed. Even if you only have to go two or three times to get a couple helpful hints, you know, just whatever it takes to help get you through until you can get through it yourself. I yes. Just, and the thing though that, that therapy 
it is so mainstream now that people instantly think that the first thing that you should do is therapy. And it is one piece of that puzzle. There are so many other things that could be stressing you out beyond the mental part. So as, as important as the therapy is, and if you're up for going for it, go. Um, I would also make sure that that everybody understands that there are so many different pieces to this puzzle. I mean, as I said, if your gut's not working, which every time you're in a stress state, it slows down your gut and serotonin can't be released, then you're not going to be able to feel happy and good no matter how much you talk it through with somebody. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's all of these pieces of the puzzle that really need to be considered. Wow. Well, what your husband's doing is commendable, but what you're doing is just as equally commendable because you're helping those first responders and your husband and anybody else that's at that level to um, get help and get some perspective. And that's huge. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So tell, tell everybody how they can find you and find your podcasts and all that stuff. Yeah. So there's, I have two streams. The one was the work that I do with first responders and the other stream is the work that I do with everybody else. (laughs) Post COVID, I got all of this, uh, all of these people influxing saying like, can you help me too? So I've brought that both in. So burnoutexpert.ca is where my new podcast is. um, And that is where I, the burnout expert podcast is that podcast. And that's for everybody, including first responders to solely see my work with first responders. That's 911lifestyle.com. Okay. Yeah. Send me all that so that I can make sure it's in the show notes. But Andy, thank you so much for your insight. I mean, we all can use this at one time or another in our lives, unfortunately, but it's just a fact of life. And so um, hopefully everybody got some tips that they can kind of keep in their back pocket for when they get to that, that stage. But thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Yeah. It was so good to talk to you and we'll be in touch. 